In German, so stupid. it's called Da Da Da. Ich liebe dich nicht, du liebst mich nicht. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is your weekly weekly music podcast. This is the greatest music podcast of all time. We are the best. Um, go to iTunes. Go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Huge shout out once again to our two new ratings on iTunes. They gave us two new five-star ratings. Thank you again. I don't know who it was, but thank you us. for doing that. That is Awesome. Great, great, great stuff, guys um, and gals. Uh, and also a huge shout out to uh, one of our listeners who gave us the idea to do this episode. Um, we appreciate it. We like all the feedback. So thank you for listening. My name is Tyler. And way out there, hundreds of miles away, way out there in the ether, is Jeff. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that is my name. <laughs> all right. I wasn't sure. I, was just, I wasn't sure where... What, what you wanted to be called now. I don't know what you identify as. Uh, so before we do that, before we do anything, what we like to do is, oh, we're doing, I'm sorry. Let me start over. We're doing the Primus album Pork Soda, if you didn't already know by the title. But before we do that, what we like to do is we like to listen to a band's entire discography and rank all their albums because we're also a ranking pod. That's what we do. We rank. <laughs> we love to rank. We love to judge. We're judgy people. Uh, so we're going to do that. We're going to do their nine albums and, uh, we're going to start from the worst to best. And we're going to kind of talk about a little bit what we think. I'm more of a Primus man than Jeff is. So, um, I'm trying to convert him more into, to, you know, a fan of good music. Let's just say that. So let's start with, uh, let's start with the worst of Primus. Okay. Obviously Jeff is going to go first because that's how the order goes. This is this is truly their worst album. They have one album that is actually bad that I would rate probably a one. Wow, a straight that's... 1.0. Okay, I'm very Every, curious. Everything it better else, not be one like my one of my favorites. Every, oh, there's no way unless you're. If this is your favorite album, I'm just turning this off and we're done for the night. But uh, everything else after this is minimum <laughs> 2.25 or better. But this one is, okay. a, is a one. Do, do, do you want to guess what it is? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's um, Green Naga Hide. Wow, no. Ah, oh, fuck. It's the Better fucking be... Chocolate Factory. Really? You thought that it was, was that bad, huh? Bad. That was awful. It, granted, it did. It didn't sound like what I thought it was gonna sound like. So I guess. It gets some points for that, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
but damn, it was just dumb. It was unnecessary. It was dumb. It was bad. None of the songs were, were reimagined in any kind of good way that I would ever listen to again, that I, were, I would ever even think was like a good homage to the originals. Nothing about this album I thought was good. It was just a bad album. The only the only thing that stood out was like the Oompa Loompa songs. But even then, bad, bad, bad. This was a bad album. But in its defense, you you said that you you like covers that are different than the original, and these are pretty different. But they still got to be good. I can do a cover in my house that's different than the original, but you still got to make it good. <laughs> you can't just do a bad cover just because it's different. Just slap a sticker on it and say, "Oh, there we go." Reading more about this album, though, and they were they were giving away or not? I shouldn't say giving, like selling chocolate bars. Like in Willy Wonka, mm-hmm. like the gold chocolate bars based on various songs of theirs prior to this album. That's kind of fun. Yeah, and, it's a cool idea. And Les had said like they're supporting the or they're promoting this album to support their chocolate bar business. So that was that was kind of funny. But damn, this <laughs> they was, are a quirky band. That's for sure. This was rough, dude. Like it was this one. I almost didn't get through this one. That's surprising. I'm. Very surprised. I thought this would be higher for you for sure. No, not. Oof. This is bad. All right. Everything else is minimum 2.25, though. I'm glad you have some sense, at least. It's not all there, but most of it's there. Okay, so... None of... Okay, so... The worst album is not a bad album, but I wouldn't... But I'd rate it probably a 1.8. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't ever really go back to this album. It's my least favorite. I thought it would be, I thought I would like it more with listening through, but it was the hardest one for me to get through. And uh, their worst record to me is Tales from the Punch Bowl. This is their, their the last album they did with Tim Alexander before he split in, nine, in the 90s. Um, it's just, it's like a hodgepodge of just stuff. And a lot of it's very jammy and I just couldn't get it. I couldn't get into it. I just, it wasn't for me. Never really has been. Um, so I, I guess the one song I thought was, was kind of cool that kind of stood out a little bit was Glass Sandwich. But I think that might have just been the title that kind of stood out because it's such a weird title. Okay. But other than that, Tales from the Punch Bowl is just, it's a low one for me. I don't know, man. I I want to like it because I love that, that lineup of the band so much, but it just lacks so much. I don't know. So yeah, that's my least favorite premise. Okay. Well, I'm already so irritated that that you you like the Chocolate Factory more than anything else. I I don't understand it. But my uh, my eight, yeah. my next bad one, is the Brown album, and it's uh, it was kind of funny because, like, I don't hate Primus, but I don't love Primus. Every Primus song I've ever heard sounds exactly what mm, I believe low, huh? Primus to be. Like this is this the Primus, This is what Primus sounds like. And so I'm always kind of thinking in my head, like, okay, if Primus maybe did something different besides do that iconic, super technical Primus sound, maybe I'll like it. And then Brown on they kind of did that. Mm-hmm. They kind of they kind of did a little bit different stuff, and I don't really like it that much. <laughs> I kind of want them to go back to their normal Primus stuff. <laughs> well, so that was, that was kind of funny for me. But uh, Duchess and the Proverbial Mind Spread. That was this mm. kind of like weird jazzy rock tune. It was fun. It was super different for them. 
but it still kind of held on to that iconic Primus song, that Primus sound that I like. So mm-hmm. that that's my that's my second to last. I'm surprised. I, I mean, that sucks. It's that low. It's a bummer, man. But you know, is that your favorite album? You like Brown it. album? At least, I mean, at least you like it. At least You're you give it a, a at least butthole. a two point two five. So, so that, that's your great. Favorite, so glad. your favorite album is probably number one is going to be Brown. Number two is going to be Chocolate Factory. That's how your shitty rankings are probably <laughs> going to go. Ugh. Oh man, you're in for a surprise, huh? Doubt Here it. we go. My number eight. You're going to be happy about this because it's uh, Primus on the Chocolate Factory. That oh, is my number God. eight. But I'd still give this a solid two out of three. You're so stupid. I mean, our, you're our stupid. Ra- I mean, if you don't know, our rating system is is based on a three point system. Three is a perfect album. Two is a good album. You're going to continue listening to. One's a bad album, but give it a try. And zero is hot garbage. But yeah, so in, everything from number eight until number one is at least a 2.0. That's the way she goes. Primus and the Chocolate Factory. I thought I thought it was good enough. It 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 changed the songs enough to where they were different, but it was still very much Primus, and it was the songs were solid for the most part. They're all pretty damn good. I don't know what you dislike so much about it. It's insane because they were bad. Because they didn't give they didn't keep like the feeling of the original they changed it enough to where it was different and it was like their but even then it wasn't even like it wasn't even like their their signature sound it was just everything would seem really low everything just seemed really low on the scale and i just i don't know like he sang low everything was everything was just low i don't like it i don't like it it was bad okay fair enough i'd be pissed i'd be fucking pissed if i went to chocolate factory private show (laughs) Would, well, the one song that's that I like a lot on it was uh, "Golden Ticket." That was a good cover. That was a really cool cover. But the Oompa Loompa ones were good too. So it was a solid record. Solid, solid record. Ugh. Um, since you're you're done being a little a little bitch about this, uh, let, let's move on to your uh, what are we on number seven? Yeah, number seven. seven. Number seven. Yeah. What's your number seven? Uh, number seven is is also. Or I shouldn't say also, but. Tales from the Punch Bowl. I ranked that one pretty low on the scale. This one, um, this one just, this one sounds like Primus. There was nothing bad here, mm-hmm. but this sounds like Primus. I'm going to say that a lot throughout this podcast, and I don't want I don't want that to sound like a like a like I'm putting them down because Primus mm-hmm. can only now sound like Primus, but nobody else can ever sound like Primus. Correct. There's just, it's not possible. So they they've not only like created a sound, but they are the only members in that club. Correct. So when I say like something, oh, this just sounds like Primus. Well, it's like okay, well, it's so fucking unique that no one else can even do it. But yeah, this mm-hmm. this just this just sounds like Primus. It's it's just nothing. It's just nothing I haven't already heard. But um, Space Farm, this song was okay. cool because. One, it wasn't very long. It was super short, which is it was kind of a nice break. And also, I like that. I like that style. I don't know what it's called, but like the country song from Blink, or like I always, I always like refer to it as as a song Potiphar from Joseph the Meeting Technical the Dreamcoat. It's like this weird, mm-hmm. like song and dance polka thing going on. Like we we've also written a song like that too. That. That correct dun, 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 dun. i don't know what i don't know what you call that but that's i guess that'd be almost like polky pol- and folky and folky 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 i don't know 
I mean, they do in 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 the pork soda that we'll talk about later on. But like that, I, I really I really like that style of playing. I think it's really cool. But um, yeah. Tales from the Punch Bowl, nothing bad about this album. It just you know. Did you feel like it was very jam bandish, very jammy? Well, first of all, I think Primus in themselves are very, <laughs> very fish. Like they're true, yeah. They're yeah. like a they're like a fish on fucking steroids. <laughs> so so yes, I think a lot of their stuff is just straight jam, and even on Pork Soda, like my god, like the last actual eight minute song. Spoilers, oh yeah, we'll get into that. But yeah, that's, we'll get that's that. a fucking jam song. <laughs> that's true. I guess yeah, no, you're right. You're right. <sighs> okay. So that was that was Tales from the Punch Bowl. That's your number seven. Number seven. My number seven. Um I love this album to death. I oh think boy. it's fantastic. I hate ranking it this low, but it's great. And it's the the the, the poo Desaturating it's, Seven. The, the desaturating seven. It's I love the the whole concept of the album and I think the songs are great. For this being their most recent record, they sound so good, and they have the lineup of uh, Les, Lur, and Tim. It's it's so good. It's such a killer fucking record. Um, highly recommend it if you haven't heard anything new from Primus in a long time. Go check out their their newest record. This one, The Desaturating Seven, and my favorite song off of it is The Scheme. Uh, that's a solid one. So is uh, Seven or The Seven but the scheme is the best song on the record for sure good stuff that's my number seven it's not the best song on the record but it's a good one nine eight seven number six six for everybody um fizzle fry (laughs) (laughs) for those of you king's cup fans out there (laughs) fizzle fry is my number six um yeah that's low it was only low because this was my number one for i guess not that long actually for like the three days well i mean <laughs> it like, took you to listen it, i don't know I, I really really like this album this i would probably give this like a 2.5 minimum and it's just okay. that's i just still high that's super high for you i just didn't realize that like like John the Fisherman was so early in their career, like to start off so mm-hmm. high, to start off so to set the bar like that high for yourself, even is just very difficult. And mm-hmm. I, I, that's something to that's something to praise. But um, I mean, it's not a bad thing. But this sounds like Primus, man. Like <laughs> it's this more is, of the same, I guess. This right? is Primus. Like this is like I know what Round Table Pizza pepperoni tastes like i get it it's delicious it's good i'll always eat it i'll never i'll never complain that's what this is but you, it's good yeah it's it's great it's i gotta i gotta you know i gotta rank it somewhere into it. i gotta rank it somewhere yeah. but my favorite that's song was fizzle fry oh really okay I, that's a that long drawn out outro mm-hmm. love it again starting off it's like so their their first like real album right starting off yeah. so early so strong Solid stuff. Man, are you gonna get into the jam band scene now? No, 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 that's the Frills of Fries a great album. So my number six, uh, let's see here. Number six, this one really jumped up. This one used to be my least favorite Primus record. 
never i mean i liked some of the songs back when it came out but nothing really stood out until this week and it just almost every song is a fucking banger on it and that's green nagahide this album i i just i because i haven't listened to it in so long going back to it was just fantastic i i just just blown away how, at how killer it was uh this is the only record that they recorded uh with jay lane the drummer jay lane and uh and he killed it man he was technically the original drummer of primus um well not one well, not original but he was one of the early drummers of primus and then he left and yeah we'll get more into that i'm sure later but uh but yeah green naga hides solid solid record and this is the first new material they had come out with in like i think it was eight years or something but my favorite song off this one it was hard but my favorite one is jilly's on smack it's so it's such a weird song with because he plays the bass with the bow and it's it's kind of out of tune a little bit maybe i can't i don't know but it's very like eerie sounding and the lyrics are fucked up ah it's it's great i love it i love this album Love that song. So that's been Green Nagahide, huh? Green Nagahide. And just the title okay. itself. The title's so weird. And the story behind it, the title is weird. And the picture is weird. The t- artwork is weird. Dude, Primus are so cool, man. They're so fucking cool. Les Claypool's great. But anyway, yeah, that's okay. my number six. What All right. Number, All right. Five? number five. I can't the, uh, so high for you. I, already, I can't believe. Sorry, continue. Go. Uh, I mean, we've so you like our top fives are not... Maybe like besides the Brown album as your number one. Besides that, our top <laughs> fives are going to be top fives. I guess I don't know. <sighs> Whatever that means. Yeah, you make no sense. Oh, it's going to be a long one. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Number five, desaturating seven. Okay. This one, this one was good. Like this one was fucking fantastic. I may even like. I I may even just like on a technical objectivity i would rate this one higher than some of the other ones here wow just because like this one reminded me of like bt bam's colors like it was super fucking technical it, everything was very very tight the structures were fantastic it was like they actually took the time and said hey let's stop jamming and just relying on less to kind of lead us and let's really write an intricate well thought out song and that's what this one sounded like. But uh, the track was my favorite. They had a really Oof. cool acoustic intro. It was super short. But then it re- that, that song really took its time over the next like six minutes. It really explored everything else that I wanted to hear from Primus. Very little vocals. But Primus always kind of does like very little vocals mm-hmm. anyway. But um, damn, dude. Like, like the Destaturating 7 was a fantastic album. Yeah. Technically speaking, I thought it was absolutely great. But uh, I it wasn't it wasn't fun. It yeah, wasn't that fun. It's not as quirky as their other stuff. It's, and that's like part of like if I had my own Primus checklist, mm-hmm. like the top one, one of the top three things would be like, am I having fun? <laughs> and uh, I did have some fun on that one, but not as much as, as as the other four. Yeah, it's a concept record. You know, it's it's based off of a children's book, and that was it was. The whole album was written around that, so that's kind of yes. it's, it's very different for them. It's the first thing that's the first time they've ever done anything like it. it and I just ran out of breath. Are you running? I feel like I am. No, I'm not. I Are you tired? Like, no, not at all. Because you've been running through my mind all day. 
Oh, dude, you're so stupid. Did it hurt? Well, when I fell from heaven. Yeah, when you fell from heaven. Oh, God. <laughs> I remember the first time I heard that, the heaven one, was from Dennis Pham. I think it was like freshman year. He actually said that. He used that pickup line on a girl once. And uh, I was just, and it was so Are funny. you sure he used that like on a girl and not like he was just being like, I mean, I, I, I think he was being goofy about it, but he still went up to this girl and just asked her. It, it wasn't, it, it just, I don't even think he really knew her. He just asked her and it was so weird, but it was so fucking funny. Especially when you're like 14, hearing that joke for the first time. Very stupid. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. <Yeah. laughs> Dennis fucking fam, dude. That guy is so funny. You know he his favorite ridiculously movie? ridiculously good acoustic mo- songs. He does. And do you know what his favorite movie is? What? Uh, Princess Diaries. Oh. With uh, Anne Hathaway. Oh. You, see, you probably you thought Princess Bride, huh? Yeah, absolutely. That's the first thing <laughs> I thought of. No, Princess Diaries. What the fuck? <laughs> now, I know you're ta- now, now, now I know exactly what movie you're talking about. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, that's that's Dennis Van's favorite movie. Yeah, I've never I've never even seen that movie. That I movie saw it a lot like because right of my sister when we were in high school. Yeah, it was like right? high school, maybe maybe middle school. Yeah, high school, maybe middle school. That can't that can't yep. be real. That there's no way. No, I swear to you, I he he knew everything about that it. fucking movie. I don't he knew it. everything about that movie. It's weird, but f- freaking hilarious because Dennis was funny as hell. But anyway, uh, your number five was Desaturating Seven. And yeah. What was your what was your your banger on that one? Uh, the the Trek. The Trek. That's right. Uh, okay. So my number five, I um, I love this record too. All these albums are so good. I I'm gonna say it about everything. But Frizzle Fry is my number five. Uh, this was their first record, like Jeff said, and they they you know they set the bar for themselves very very high, and they exceeded it through a lot of their career. It's it's amazing that this band is this good, and uh, my two favorites on this record it's a it's a tie it goes in between these two, but it's Mister Know It All and uh, Putting Time. I the songs are so ridiculous. I love it. I love the lyrics of Mister Know It All. They're so fucking funny. And Pudding Time is just as really ridiculous. It's a it's a killer album. So, Frizzle Fry is my number five. Number five. Number five. So our we're not that far off in our four. No, not too crazy. The I'm only difference is the Brown album. That's the, that's so far. That's the only big difference. That's true. I'm surprised one of these records is as high as it is for you. Which one? We'll get to that once we get there. But what do you got for number four? Uh, number four for me is is an album we've already done on the pod. I was it a lost episode? I don't remember. It's yes, it was the last episode before we started the new format. Oh, <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. That was a good episode too. Mm-hmm. That was when I, I started to realize that Primus is always going to sound like Primus, but that's not a bad thing. Yes. And so uh, right. number four for me is sailing the seas of cheese. There wasn't a huge difference between like their first couple albums here. Mm-hmm. Sound wise, they they just this is the primus sound. This is what they were doing at that point. But just the songs on this one just came together better. They came together better. They were structured a little bit better. The melodies were a little bit stronger. It seemed like they took all of the things that they wanted to improve on on Frizzle Fry and just made everything better. It was just like an improved. It was like Frizzle Fry fucking two point oh. 
and it was it was fantastic. Yes. And and we've already done this album before, like I said, and it was a good episode. But uh, those damn blue collar tweakers. I don't know if that was my favorite song back then. I don't remember. But this is like my top three favorite, like Primus song. Like it's so good. You really like that song that much? It's crazy. so fucking good. I just I. I don't know. Like I smile. I have a good time. It, the, the song itself is good. Everything mm-hmm. about it is fantastic. I just I think it's so great. But also Los Bastardos. That's a that's an honorable mensch. That's an mm-hmm. honorable mensch. But damn, dude, those damn blue collar tweakers. Oh, solid solid pick, man. Solid pick. Number four. Number four. Number four for me. What do you think my number four is, Jeff? Oh, I don't know. I think I think number four is going to be pork soda, and then I think, oh my god, dude, I think brown album is going to be number two, and I think the number one is going to be anti pop. Okay, we'll we'll see, we'll see. Okay, so my number four, drum roll. That's a good drum roll. The brown album, my number four. Oh, thank God. I, this was always one of my 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 lesser lesser albums, but this is another album that just I forgot how fucking amazing it is. It's so good. I love the tone of it. This is the first album they did with Brian Mantia, otherwise known as Brain, uh, killer fucking drummer, but also a very different style than than Tim, uh, the previous drummer. Uh, but dude, it, they they killed it. And like Jeff said, it's it's probably the most simplistic record that they've done, but they did it so well. It just it it takes some time getting used to I think, because you're so used to Primus being Primus, but this is where they kind of showed that they could kind of step back a little bit, still make a goofy and quirky record, but still have all the the same crazy talent there, just more subdued. And I fucking love the Brown album. I love everything about it, the tone, everything. It's fantastic. A um, lot of bangers on this one, but my favorite one is Bob's Party Time Lounge. I think the title's really stupid. The lyrics are really stupid, but fun. The whole intro and outro with like, you could hear people like mixing drinks and just it, the whole ambience of the song is great and it's catchy as hell. Killer song, killer album. I love the Brown album. That's my number four. Crazy. Ooh. Crazy to me. But also very, very wise. So what's your number three, Jeff? Uh, number three. Favorite. We're in the top three. We're in top three now. Number three. Again, I, I chose Pork Soda just because I had already known three songs from Pork Soda, and we'd already done Sailing the Seas of Cheese. So Pork Soda was just the one that I chose. Luckily, it ended up being really good. So it was yeah. it, Pork Soda's in my top three. But uh, number three for me is Anti Pop, Anti Pop, Anti Pop, Dirty Pop. Anti Pop. That's number three for me. Um, uh-huh. I feel like a lot of the complaints that I had that Primus always just sounds like Primus. They heard that retroactively, took mm-hmm. that into consideration. They listened. They adapted to my complaints, and they just became like more like just like a more weird Claypool show off band. They grooved hard in this album, like fucking really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Like you talk about like jam bands and. And I mentioned Fish earlier, but like, dude, like they were like, they were all connected solid throughout this album and it sounded like that and everything just was slow. So flawless. Yeah. Favorite song, Eclectic Electric. Ooh, that's a solid one. Solid one. This fucking long ass song. Not the best on the record, but that's solid. 
<laughs> that long ass fucking song had everything that I wanted from a Primus song. All the boxes wow, were that's checked. That's great. That is great. I can't believe I thought Antipop was going to be a, like very very low on your list. I thought it was going to be was, down there with Brown Album. So like when I when I when I put an album on, I always just open up like the Wikipedia page and just like glance at it as I'm listening to the first song as we're doing this listen through. And look like looking at like the people that were on this album with him, I was like there's no fucking way this is going to live up to this type of hype. There's no way that having like Tom Morello and all these other musicians on this that this is going to be good. It's it's going to be shit. Like it has to be shit. No. But it wasn't. <laughs> it was great. Of course not. Primus are, Primus are so good. No matter who they work with, it sounds fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But like Les Claypool is just, he's so, like nobody sounds like him. It's weird. He's one like, of those Nobody those few fucking people. sounds like him. Like Tom Morello is a fantastic guitarist. and But I mean, Joe Ciatriani is kind of, like the same person and there's a lot of guitarists that can do what Tom Morello does. And so when you put other huge musicians in with Les Claypool, you always like, for, I don't know, you always think like, how, how is this going to work? How is, how is Les going to either dumb it down, bring it up, change his style? And he did like everything he fucking did. Yeah. It's... Like Morello, you can clearly hear like Tom Morello in some of these songs and Les completely changes his own bass playing style to match Tom. Tom didn't change his style to match Les. Les changes to match Tom. And that is just mind-blowing to me. Yeah. Dude, the guy is beyond talented. He's it's disgusting. Insane. It's gross. And we'll, we'll talk more about his, his abilities and other bands that he's played with once we get in deeper into the pork soda stuff. But yeah, fuck, man. Antipop, that is that is quite a record. So I'm glad, I'm glad you, that was so high for you. But uh, my number three is... Sailing the Seas of Cheese. This album was the first Primus album I ever heard. Uh, the first song I ever heard was Jerry Was a Race Car Driver on uh, the Tony Hawk soundtrack. And uh, it's, dude, it's, it's an unbelievable record in so many ways. And um, we've already done this episode. I mean, maybe someday, maybe I'll release this episode as well, like retroactively. I don't know. but who knows but yeah sailing the seas of cheese is a fucking fantastic album so many bangers but my but the biggest banger is jerry was a race car driver i mean the the way les plays the bass on that i it's just like what the fuck was he thinking like what do you what goes through this man's mind like thinking this is gonna sound good and then fucking lurk comes in and just plays like the simplest little guitar riff just to accommodate less and then you know <laughs> tim's like really really kind of swingy sounding drumming just adds so much to this and fuck it's a it's a perfect song it's a, an amazing album so that's my number three sailing the seas of cheese what do you got for number two uh number two is is pork soda for me so wow knowing now what your number one is holy shit <laughs> all right my so yeah, your number two is Pork Soda. We'll get into that in, in a few minutes. My number two is also Pork Soda. Um, we'll get into that. So that leads us to our number ones. What do you got? What, what's your favorite Primus record? And I already know what it is. I can't believe it. <laughs> you ranked this so low. I don't understand why you hated this so much. Green Naga Hide. 
Like, I can't wow. believe you like it this much. Wow. After this album was over, I like sat there for a good like 15, 20 seconds and just took it all in. I was I just thought like, wow, what a fucking banger. It was fun. It was energetic. It was different, but it was still the same. Everything it was super funky. And then like when I realized it, there was very, very little vocals, even for mm-hmm. Primus standards. Like this one was just absolutely amazing. It was an unbelievable album. Possibly even like 2.8, 2.9, maybe even like a perfect album. It was so fucking good. Ridiculous wow. how good it was. <laughs> You're crazy, man. I think uh, it, it, <sighs> what it comes down to, I, I honestly think what it comes down to is that you you are just now hearing like all this Primus. I mean, I've been listening to Primus since probably like 98, 99. So like I, I've gone through all like the stages. I've gone through the stages of when they weren't together. So when with through all of Les's side projects. So like I, I kind of knew what he was doing at the time. So like I know when for my, for myself, when Green Naga had came out, I didn't really like it that much because it sounded so much like his solo record of Wales and Woe. I mean, honestly, if you like Green Nagahide, you'll probably love his solo record of Wales and Woe. Honestly, you'll fucking love it. Because I think it's a better version of Green Nagahide. And it was released a few years earlier than, than Green Nagahide. But Green Nagahide it, it, Naga is still a solid record. It's just, it's interesting to me seeing how you're, you're, you're soaking in all of this, this Primus knowledge, all this Les Claypool knowledge. It's so weird. I just don't know why you think it's it's terrible. No, it's not. Fine. I think it's an amazing record. Like I said, even though it's lower on my rankings, it jumped up. This used to be my least favorite record. But, you know, I've, I've, I guess over time, obviously, I've learned to appreciate it. And it's fucking solid. It's a great record. Green Knock Guide's solid, but definitely mm. not number one. It's better than great. It's, it's their best. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm oh, my like favorite song. Wait. Yeah, what's your, what's your banger? What? My favorite song is Eternal Consumption Engine. Ooh, that's a good one. This too. also had that like polka jam style to it that I like. I was talking about earlier. Just is polka fun. your new thing? I mean, I've I've always liked that style. I just never been able to like uh, articulate what it is, or even uh, like when you hear it, everybody knows what it is. But mm. I don't know how to describe that style without mimicking it vocally or on the guitar or something or like you almost don't know how to digest it because you don't understand it like it's almost like to me polka music is kind of like classical music like it's nice to listen to it's pleasant but i don't understand it okay like i don't guess i I can't properly digest it because i don't understand it that's how i I, feel about polka i feel like all polka music is is just like that like that pacing like that style that's it yeah but then it seems like there's more to it than that outside of the doom din doom, like that that kind of off what is that that offbeat it's more than just the offbeat yeah it's kind of like on the on, on the half the half beat i guess is that what it is maybe yeah. maybe i don't know but anyway Damn, so your number one album is, is the brown album huh no my <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even put Brown that high. <laughs> I know. Well, you put it way higher than it should have been, though, to be no, fair. No, Brown, I mean, you, you need to spend more time with Brown. You'll, you'll understand. Definitely not going to do that. But you will. Uh, but no, my favorite is Antipop. This is one of, this, Antipop was the last 
Primus record I heard ever. And it blew me away, man. I, I was just shocked at how fucking amazing it was. And um, like what you were saying, they, they, were, he, they were heavily influenced by outside outsiders, which was the first time that they had ever done that. And um, if you read anything about this record, Les has always said that he likes a lot of the music on it, but he doesn't like how the... He said it was a bad time for the band and they were they were listening to too many people outside of the band and that wasn't the point of Primus. The point of Primus was just do whatever the fuck they wanted and that was working for them. And this one this one they decided to go with outsiders and this is what we got. They even even before this they tried to work they were going to work with Rick Rubin. They were going to work with a couple other producers because everything prior to this was self-produced. And um and then obviously they didn't end up using Rick, but yeah, it's it's very different. It's it's heavier, um, but the groove, man, the groove is there. This is the the second and last record that Brian Mantia played drums on, and to me, he was my he's my favorite drummer for Primus out of the three of them. And uh, I think his his groove is just, oh, dude, it's so fucking good. He's such an amazing drummer. He is so tight. He's one of the tightest drummers I've ever heard. Um, but everything else too, the the melodies, the the technical aspect of it is just phenomenal and i even like the production a lot too it's it's much louder and it's much more like it's not as airy and open as the previous records but it works really well for them they they, they can make a really good heavy record and anti-pop is a good example of that and my favorite song my favorite primus song of all time is on this and that's uh greet the sacred cow i think less is mm-hmm. playing on this is is phenomenal and his just the the whole tone of the that entire song is so different it's so out of left field with a lot of the middle eastern influence or the indian influence it's it's a crazy song and they only played it a a handful of times live but it's a good one greet the sacred cow on antipop the greatest of primus right there well that that is it for our rankings it is the greatest so that leads us to our album of the week and this week if you didn't already know we're getting into uh primus and their album pork soda
Primus formed in 1984, and El Sobrante, California, by Les Claypool on bass and vocals, Todd Huth on guitar, and a drum machine. They currently have nine albums, four EPs, one compilation, one live album, and have sold several million copies worldwide. But the album we're doing today is called Pork Soda, and it's the band's third album. It was released April 20th, 1993. It features Les Claypool on vocals and guitar, Larry LaLonda, also known as Lur, on guitar, and Tim Alexander, also known as Herb, on drums. Pork Soda is one of the band's most successful records, and it eventually reached number seven on the Billboard, the U.S. Billboard Top 10, which is pretty impressive. So, Jeff, what are Ugh. what are our first impressions on Pork Soda by the band Primus? Oh. Oh. Um, I guess, uh, well, my first impressions with Primus is uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't remember a time before that that I, I liked and recognized and, and knew a Primus song. Um, other than that, I mean, My Name is Mud is the most iconic song for me from this album. So I guess my first impressions were like I wanted to do this because my name is Mud, Welcome to This World, and DMV. I knew all those songs. Fair, I'm not sure to say fair well, but I knew those songs, and um, that's why I chose this album. And that's I don't really know where I'm going with this. I'm just kind of drilling off. <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. That's fine. That's fine. <clears throat> so my first impression. Well, also first of all. Uh, we were we were given the idea to do a Primus album. We were asked by a listener of the pod to do a Primus album or to even just talk about Primus because they're a big fan. So that was that's why we're doing this. We're doing Pork Soda. Uh, but my, my first impressions with Primus was Tony Hawk Pro Skater. It was plain and simple. It was that video game. First time I ever heard Primus. Didn't know what the fuck it was. Even on on that soundtrack, it was so wildly different from everything else on it. And it really stood out. And after that, I got Sailing the Seas of Cheese. And I loved that record. And I didn't really listen to a lot after after that for... I didn't really listen to any other records from them after that until maybe three, four years after. I got Pork Soda. Pork Soda was the second record I got from them. Got it for Christmas. I I put it on my, my, my Christmas list to Santa that I wanted <laughs> uh, Primus's Pork Soda. And of course, I mean, not of course, but I did get it on Christmas morning. And uh, and yeah, that's that's where it, that's where it sits in my uh, my memory. Pork soda. Okay. An in- interesting tidbit was uh, they had not performed this this thing in its entirety until like the mid two thousand tens. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Why? Wh- what the fuck? Why would you not? I don't understand why they would not I, do that. Well, I think they only prior to that they had only ever played. Sailing the Seas of Cheese, I think, in its entirety. And even then, that was that was when Tim was still in the band, when he rejoined the band. So I don't know. I think they were kind of like apprehensive maybe about playing an entire record with a different drummer who didn't play on the record. Because I'm pretty sure Jay Lane didn't play on that tour, the Pork Soda tour. I could be wrong. Because they missed they have, the 10th had, anniversary, the 20th anniversary of this. And then a couple of years after the 20th anniversary is when they played it in its entirety. Okay. 
And it just seems yeah. like a like I don't know. It just seems bizarre and like a missed opportunity. It could be. I mean, maybe it could be just because they didn't want to play it, or they don't really care about the the anniversary stuff, or like I said, maybe it's the drummer thing. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, it's it's like why why play an album in its entirety if you don't have the original lineup, or if you don't have that lineup who played on the record. Kind of seems I'm almost nor- like, like normally. Normally, I would agree, but when you're Primus. And when realistically the basis of your band is one guy, yeah, then it's a little bit different. Yeah, because realistically, I mean, we could take out everybody in Primus except for Les, and then replace them with somebody else that is just as good, and you would never know. Yes, and maybe maybe nuances here. And yes there. and no, but because you can definitely tell, like me listening through Primus discography this week. My, I I like I like the the man. Do you say Mantia, Mantia. or Mantia? Brian Brian Mantia. Mantia. I like his drumming. I like I like his drumming. It seems to be a lot tighter. There's a lot more fills that aren't that aren't just like, hey, I'm doing a fill because mm-hmm. there's a fill here. His fills are more subtle. They're more kind of in the background. He lets less play. But he also knows when he needs to come in and kind of take over for that 5 to 10 to 15 seconds. And I really like that. I really like the way he does that. Mm -hmm. So little nuanced things like that I can understand. But realistically, Primus is is less clear. I'm with you. Like there's – that's it. There's no way. Everybody thinks that. He is – Les Claypool is Primus. I mean – he is the vocalist. He is the bass player who, who stands out from any other instrument on on all of their songs. But I mean, the drummer is the second most important part, or third, I guess technically third most important part of the band. I mean, if you, I mean, listening to to Tim Alexander's playing on the first five records, and then Brian's playing on the next two, those two styles are wildly different. They're so different. And you could tell it not just in the styles of, of their, their drumming, but also the songs, the song structures and just how the whole vibe of the songs are very, very different between the two drummers. And then Jay Lane, who did Green Nagahide, uh, he was, to me, he's always been like the in-between. He's he's taken kind of like the best of both Brian and Tim. And then that was what he did on Green Nagahide. He still had that looseness of Tim, but he still held it together a lot more like Brian did. But to me, at least, I don't know, maybe because I've listened to so much Primus over the years, like I think the drummers are almost as important as less in this. I, I, they really, really set a lot of the tone. I definitely agree. It's just it's kind of unfair because Tim was on so many more albums than anybody else. Mm-hmm. So we do have more to kind of like base it off of. And so like the best parts of Tim, we could hear the worst parts of Tim we could hear. Whereas like, like Brian Manchia, um, we don't, we, we have, th- there's such a small sample side that is difficult to say like, this is him at his worst. This is him at his best. Whereas Tim, like what I've noticed that he does a lot, which I like normally like in, in music, I I fucking love I love the use of like toms, like floor toms, like the rolls into the toms. I love it. Mm-hmm. But then, like the more I listen to Primus, I realize that he does it a lot. And I'm not a I, I don't I I play drums just to like goof off. But 
when I do like my drum fills and I use like toms and incorporate floor toms and stuff, that's what I play. That's how I do it. And so to hear a guy playing drums in Primus do it was a little off-putting for me. was a little kind of, I was kind of like, really, bro? Ugh. <laughs> like that's that's just kind of how I saw. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying to trying to. But I guess not speak these words here. But but I guess not to. That's not diminishing his talent. Not at all. How good he not is. at all. It's just. Uh, yeah. It's like being the worst person in a super group. It's just you, the microscope you're going to be under is going to be five hundred times more intense than anybody else because of how yeah. just incredible. And unique, Les Claypool is, and it's just yeah, it's hard, man. <laughs> it's just, it is. It's I mean, difficult. the guy is so fucking talented. I don't want to just like talk about so Les talented. Claypool this whole fucking podcast, even though we could spend hours just talking about what the fuck is he thinking? Like, what are you doing? Like, where do you get I mean, off doing this to. shit? <laughs> it's irritating. That's so it's true. annoying. It's so true. But he, and you know, not only is he talented, but he's so fucking interesting. <laughs> He's such an interesting person. Like, you just can't help it. Cannot help it. But, I, I mean, I mean, we'll talk about other aspects as well. Um, so let's uh, let's get into some bang. Or do we have any stinkers? Uh, no, no stinkers. Definitely some okay, okay songs, good. but no stinkers. Okay, good. No stinkers. No stinkers on my end either. Uh, what do we got for bangers, though? What What is your biggest banger on Pork Soda? Uh, so... I, I knew my name is Mud going into this. I knew DMV going into this, but uh, I also knew this song. But when I, when I re-listened to it this time, it was it like opened up a whole new fucking world for me. And welcome to this world, I think is my favorite Primus song. That's a good one, man. <laughs> it's it's <sighs> insane. It's like this is what I'm talking about when you like hear him play something and you just like first of all. Just to even think this is one thing. Just to even have this thought process of where you have a melody, you have a riff in your head, that's just that that's that's one thing. But to translate that and have your brain tell your mm. fingers and your your body what to do and how to play it and probably play it better than how you even thought in your head, that's on a completely different level. And that's <laughs> like the level less is on. And it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. What I welcome to this world to me as well. It's uh, it it's the um, I feel like it's the bridge between Frizzle Fry and this album. It, it's the one song on this record that sounds the most like Frizzle Fry, but still has enough of Pork Soda to really bridge that gap. There's some really great parts too, like the one part. I don't know if you remember, but it it always sticks out in my mind where where Tim hits drum the drum like that da 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 da, and then when every snare hit, uh, Les yells hey 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 every time. It's just like. It's kind of toward the end of the song, but it's just like a, this this weird break in the song, and it's just like I, I can't even I don't even know I'm not even explaining it right. Like it, it's truly what the fuck were they thinking when they wrote this song? <laughs> when all of them, I mean, because Les writes everything, but I mean, what were they thinking when when the rest of the guys played it? Like what what was Tim thinking when he played the drums on it? It's weird. It's a super weird song. But should I play a little bit of Welcome to This World? Yeah, I mean, the, so like, there's one part too in the beginning that I really liked. There, there was like a slide. There's like a like mm-hmm. this bass slide that drops it into the heavy part, that's out of the mm-hmm. intro, and just like those those yeah. little things that not only can less 
just like noodle around on what probably is like a fretless bass most of the time. He just, does use a lot of fretless bass. Uh, just because of the way he like goes up and down like the fretboard. There's just no way you can... I feel like he thinks like frets are just like obstructions. <laughs> and that's why he takes them off. They're, they're just they're they're nuisances. <laughs> they hit, they impede his ability to play. Uh. And he, they probably bother him. Even that's <laughs> annoying too. But <laughs> that just, that that slide part I, that really got me too in the beginning. Okay, here, here's a here's welcome to this world. song is so weird a lot of their music too a lot of their music reminds me of of like when we first started our band mm-hmm. and we auditioned <laughs> and auditions a very loose term here we auditioned a uh, a friend of a friend and and we just like straight up played music and said hey sing something right now 
Like that's oh, what so I feel like Les does to people, like drummers. He's like, "All right, you ready? We're gonna play songs. I don't know. Really, I don't know the song. Just play something." And then he just starts, and then the drummer comes in, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's fuck it, let's do it." But then like Les is so good that he recognizes the style that he, the guy's trying to play, yeah. And then he kind of like, kind of like adheres to that style and changes it a little bit because the song does like that's that that same riff is there the whole time. Yeah, it doesn't go away. But that bridge part, it breaks down and it goes real slow, and you almost think like the guitar is gonna have like this solo and it's gonna be like this, this crazy like wanking. But Les is still like noodling, like he can't fucking stop. <laughs> he can't stop. But and normally it would be annoying, <laughs> but he does it in such a such a cool and weird and interesting way that you you can't get bored. Or you, like it's impossible to get mad at Les Claypool. Absolutely impossible. <laughs> the guy is that good to where you cannot be mad at his playing for any reason. It's insanity. Oh, what I was going to say, how the song kind of starts out and kind of goes throughout the entire thing. It kind of has that, that, it almost reminds me of like a chicken, like like the chicken dance. Like ding, 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 ding. It's very twangy and country sounding. But the way that, that Lure and Les kind of, they play off each other really well. And we're, I'm. I know we haven't talked about Lur a lot, and we. I don't know how much we will, but he does accent less perfectly. Like he plays just enough to let less shine, and then also not be wanky. I don't know. It's it's a really really strange and very opposite dynamic, but it's fantastic. Yeah. Normally the bass is there to supplement the guitar. The bass is there to carry the song, to carry the beats to carry the melody and just kind of walk along with it. Whereas the guitar can kind of have a little bit more freedom to do, mm-hmm. to, to like do anything else that he wants to do. Like you said, here's the complete opposite. It's bizarre. But even more so because less is still carrying the tune. He's still doing all of the normal bass stuff, but now he's also like incorporating like lead guitar fills. That's now less. <laughs> I know. Even sometimes solos, that's now less. Like he's like doing everything, and he still lead vocals. It's remarkable. If there's like vocals sometimes. Yeah, and a lot of the vocals, especially in this song, in Welcome to This World, are just like, you can't even understand what he's saying. Like, you could just scat it. You know, you don't even have to have lyrics. The way he does it, and then I, reading the lyrics, I'm like, I had no idea he even said this stuff. Like, almost everything in the song, I had no idea what he was saying. Until I read it. This was just like a party song, right? This was just like, as if like we went into Les Claypool's mind. Yeah. And whatever he thought would be a, the, the best party on earth, that's what this song that's is That's kind of what I thought Literally. too. And kind of what I thought too was like him talking about orgies or like promiscuity. Prom- oh, fuck out. Promiscuity? Ooh. Wait, how do you say that fucking word? <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a two plus syllable word. <laughs> so let's slow it's it down. One. It's a tough one, but anyway. Promiscuity. Prom- is, is it, it promiscuity or promiscuity? That's what I was going to ask. Is it promiscuity or is it... Now I'm questioning myself. See, promiscuity, promiscuity. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle. Primus. Primus. Primiscuity. But I feel like Ooh, it, it, is, it is... It's his ultimate party. It's his... It's kind of like his um, his fantasy. It's like... It's his it's 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 his version of like Mark Atkins singing Perfect World from Guttermouth. <laughs> like that's what And it's every in his mind this is this is what it is. And this is it's everything that less is. All it is the, what it is. the weirdness and the quirkiness. 
All right, man, that was a that's a good song. But yeah, that's probably my, go- my favorite Primus song. Is it okay? Um, you say that like it's like it's like oh, like, oh this song is really your favorite. It's oh. my second. It's my number two. It's my two favorite. It's my second favorite. Welcome to this world. This is your second favorite Primus song, or your second favorite song on the album? Second favorite song on the album. Not no, not my favorite. Nah. Second favorite Primus song. No way. Don't don't be dumb. You're, don't you're, be dumb. You're stupid. No, this is my favorite Primus song. Is it really? Yeah. That's crazy. That's wild. Out of all it's the just, Primus I, I feel like, I feel panicked. I feel panicked. I feel rushed. I feel like somebody's chasing me. When I hear that, that just that opening intro, I, like you could just loop that and yeah. I could run to that and I would fucking, I would probably be like Usain Bolt. Like I would be the fastest man on, the earth, on fucking earth in the solar system, in the galaxy, in the Milky Way galaxy, whatever galaxy there is. I mean, the fastest person because this song makes me feel panicked. Wow. Well, let me go through my okay songs. If you think it's yeah, a no. banger, we can fight about it. No, um, I, I have some bangers, so like, but yeah, go, I want, I'm curious in your okays. Some of the instrumentals, they're, they're good. They're just too short to be considered bangers. So like Pork Chop's Little Diddy in the beginning, I think that's just an okay song. There are great parts to it, but there's nothing, there's not enough there because it's so short for it to be mm-hmm. thrust into the banger world. I think Bob is okay. I think DMV is okay. Hmm. I think okay. Nature Boy is okay. Wounded Knee is okay. And then okay. the last two songs, like Poor Shop's Little Diddy again, I think he's okay. And Hail Satan, I almost said Hail Satan. Hail Santa, I think he's okay. <laughs> all right, all right. That's interesting. Your, your okays are interesting, even though half of them were not instrumentals. Um, Yeah, that's interesting. So... My 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 number one banger on this this record is DMV. That's my favorite one. It's, really? Uh, yeah, dude. The I love the bass playing on That's it. That's interesting. It's, that is interesting. Hold, okay, hold on, real quick, real quick. Oh so God. when I first heard this, like this week, I thought I was like, dude, this sounds a lot like Jerry was a race car driver. <laughs> this fucking song, this like riffage in the beginning reminds me very much like Jerry was a race car driver. And now that you said that this is your favorite song, and then knowing that Jerry was was a race car driver was like the first introduction you've had to Primus, could that be some weird subconscious thing that you've connecting the two and that's why this is your biggest banger? I think it's it might be because I, I like the the tapping a lot that he does on it. Um I think it's it's very impressive that that he can he can play that technically but still make it sound melodic and interesting and and just make it all sound so good and cohesive. I I love that about Les's playing. And yeah, it could be kind of a sub- subconscious thing, but DMV is is my favorite because you know the instrumentation, but also the lyrics are so dumb, and they're so they're so simple. And it's just him talking about how miserable the DMV is, and you know his only source of comfort is just smoking weed after he's done, just so he could forget about his time at the DMV. And just and then kind of toward the end, he just kind of talks about how, in the end, everything's pointless, and no matter what you do, it's all pointless. It's a very dark song. It's a very dark and you know and I was weird, weird song in so many ways. I, there, there, there are several songs on this album that I think are a lot deeper than than possibly like Transformers. They're more than meets the eye, oh and God. I think this I think this could be one of them. I think this could be one it of them because be, yeah. I I agree on the surface like realistically the DMV is fucking pointless like what the fuck do you need to do the DMV that you can't just mail in or do it online like almost nothing 
does not even need to be there. But is there a bigger picture here? There's a lot of like threads that I was reading in Reddit that were getting like really into it. So people were saying that this could be like, like the biggest thing is this, this big government is big government pointless or he could be going into like a more micro level where he's saying, is my life even pointless? Why am I even here? And the only kind of relief he has from that is like the weed smoking and everything. But the DMV is just a starting point because everybody fucking hates the DMV. Nobody likes going to the DMV. And that's the starting point for him. I I feel like it's him just talking about how life in general is pretty miserable. You have to deal with all the shittiness of it just to get around to, to some of the happiness. And he jokingly, almost like jokingly, says that the DMV is the worst part of life. Just kind of like dark humor. I feel like that's kind of what he was getting at with this one. So it, I think it does have a darker meaning. But who knows? But without even like knowing too much about his like personal life, because I know he loves fishing, right? He's like a big, he's like an avid fisherman. Mm-hmm. And so, and then later on we'll talk about the fishing song. So I, I, I just don't know like his religious at, like personality or anything like that. And so it's almost like this song is very, very Buddhist in that life is suffering. And he's kind of saying that here, but just ch- channeling that suffering into the DMV for the layman. Maybe just some like su- super crazy subreddits I was on. And then I was looking at things. I don't know. If they, I mean, I'm a rabble, rabble, it, rabble, it does sound rabble. like you, you really went down this rabbit hole of, of Reddit that I didn't go down. But I mean, it, it may, a lot of it makes sense. All right, I guess now, since we've talked so much about DMV, we might as well play a little bit of it, right? I Sound cannot good? believe this is your fucking banger on this album. What are you doing? Dude, it's my favorite one. So here it is, DMV by Primus. Some DMV for you from Primus. Still don't like it, huh? I I don't know, man. It's, it's okay. I I think there's a lot of um, 
there's a lot of buzzwords in there for you. One is it sounds like Jerry was a race car driver. Two, <laughs> he mentions uh, the seas of cheese. I think I think that that they got you there. So you know, maybe you just I don't know, Tyler. <laughs> now that we're done with DMV, we we can move on since Jeff fucking hates the song so much. Um, <laughs> what's your second Not true, banger? But, what's your um, second banger on this one? My second banger is probably "My Name Is Mud." Ooh, that's a solid one. Let's get yeah. into that. We, I mean, we already played it, but let's get into it. What, what, what do you want to do? What do you mean? Like, I mean, we can talk about the lyrics. We can talk about the music. What do you okay, want to do? Well, like instantly iconic bass rolling there. It's super low, choppy. I mean, this song is this absolute banger. I like how the bass, mm-hmm. amongst like other songs, it just it never stops. Like he just constantly rolls along. It just constantly goes and goes and yep. goes. And I just don't understand. Like, how the fuck does he sing and play that shit at the same time? Like, what the dude? Like, like even just like strumming chords on my guitar, I have trouble just singing. Like, how the fuck? Where does he get off playing and singing this at the same time? Yeah, and it almost feels like his vocals are not off time, but they're just like they're on a weird beat. But this is the one I thought that he played on the, like a, a six string fretless because in the video. That's what it looks like. I'm pretty sure he does. I, he he plays. I think he plays the six string fretless on Jerry was a race car driver as well. Um, I'm pretty sure he plays on a Tommy the Cat on Sailing the Seas of Cheese. So he, that's one of his go to bases. But even then, cool. like, just thinking that this guy plays a six string fretless bass better than most guitarists is irritating. Is pretty insane. Yeah, yeah it's just like what are you, what are you doing? Yeah, I know. Ah! You you all right over there? No, we're fine. All right. What I like the drums too. They're very kind of like they're kind of lazy sounding as well. Like it's it's kind of fun to play to because it sounds so lazy, but it's still everything's still in time and everything's still held together. But it's almost like it's on the verge of falling apart. It's weird. It's hard to explain unless you unless you hear it again. You know. Yeah, there's, I mean, they're just kind of going along with the flow. Nothing really there. And again, I think I think it was more just like, hey, can you play something to this? And then he played, hi, my name is Mud, or my name is Mud. And then that's the drum beat that they came up with, and they worked with it. Les said, I can work around that. Okay. And they did, perfectly. The lyrics are, are really kind of goofy, too, like everything else. Uh it's it's told from the perspective of the the narrator named Mud. It's about killing the killing another man with a baseball bat, and from everything I've read, and kind of makes sense that it's based off of the phrase "Your name is Mud." Uh, and then I kind of read more into that, and that was I didn't know this, but that was actually kind of started from Doctor Samuel Mud, the guy who who uh, conspired with. John Wilkes Booth in the assassination of Abraham whoa, Lincoln. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, what? Whoa. What? You're throwing out terms there that I don't think accurately portray who Why? Dr. He, Samuel Mudd was. He went to jail for it, did he not? So everybody that goes to jail is 100% guilty of the crime they were accused for? Is that what you're saying? No, but there was also evidence that he did. he was a part of kind of a part of the plot. Let me or he knew or he knew what better. was going to happen. Let, let me tell let me let me tell it better. Okay, tell me better please. Let me tell let me tell you better. So, okay. I had heard this story prior to even me understanding what my name is mud by premise was 
And what had happened, or what, as I understand it, what had happened was this guy Samuel Mudd helped John Wilkes Booth. He meant he tended mended mended his wounds, tended to his yes, wounds. Yes, he did. Which one, mended or tended? Tended, tended to his wounds. Is mended a wound? Or fuck. He, well, he he tended is to mended his a wounds. Word? <laughs> but that, yeah, no. Well, I don't think mended is, but mend is. So he tended to his wounds. Okay. In turn. But he knew he knew that John Wilkes Booth had just like blown fucking Lincoln's face off. He knew this shit. So he could have either said, no, fuck off, you know, I guess like die. I I think his wound was John Wilkes Booth jumped out of the balcony after he shot Lincoln, broke his leg or his ankle, got patched up by Samuel Mudd and then went off. And so Samuel Mudd could have just said, like, no, I'm not helping you. Good luck. But he he did help him, and so that's like this whole thing. Like your name is now Mud, so your name is now not good because Samuel Mud, as far as I know it, had nothing to do with the assassination. But because he didn't hold John Wilkes Booth there, he didn't deny him service. He was just kind of like an accessory after the fact. Because of that, now his name is Mud. Now no one can believe him. Now no one can trust him because he helped somebody that shot our president in the face. Or in the back okay, of the so 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 a couple things here. So from what I was reading this week, I I know from you know just how it is where no matter what the person's crime was, a doctor by law and ethically they have to treat a patient. No matter what this person has done, they have to do that. They could lose their license over it's it. The Hippocratic oath. So one, I think it's called the Hippocratic oath. Is what they take is it, you I, you're I, right. I, I'm not sure what it's called. You could lose your license for it. But you won't go to jail for not helping somebody. But that that's what you ethically that's what you're supposed to do. And so that that's what he did. So he he did everything in his right that that's what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to treat the patient. But from also what I was reading, he knew about this plot prior to that. He knew John Wilkes Booth prior to this. So he knew that something was going to happen. Originally, John Wilkes Booth was and a couple other people were supposed to kidnap uh, Abraham Lincoln, but in the end, it changed and he ended up assassinating him. But Samuel Mudd knew about everything that was going to happen, so that's why he was charged with conspiracy, was because of that. And he served, well, I think it was like three years in a prison in the Caribbean or something like that, on some island prison. Well, he was, and he, he became he like known. He didn't go to jail for it. He was banished. They said, like, you need to get we, the fuck out. Yeah. Like, you need to get out of America. That's even, like, worse than going to prison for treason. Like, they, they booted him. Yeah, they he got was, him out he of was here. Banished. He was banished, put into jail, down in the islands for several years. But then he became known something like the yellow fever doctor because a huge outbreak of yellow fever happened in the prison, and he he was the doctor that helped save so many lives in the prison. And then eventually, I think it was Andrew Johnson pardoned him after a few years, and then he came back and restarted his practice as well as his his tobacco farm. So he was pardoned, but I don't know why he was. I don't know if it was because of his treatment of patients during the yellow fever outbreak, or I who I don't know. But I think the the whole like my name is Mud, or your name is Mud thing was even it 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 preceded that instance anyway. I think there was instances of of somebody's name being dragged dragged through the mud prior to this guy and i think he was just probably like the the poster child for it even though it was before it before him 
So again, I I, I, also, I just I think that it has nothing to do with the song anyway. But that is an interesting story that I thought it was interesting. I like talking about. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, it, it's, it's a fun. killer fucking song. It's a great song. So that's a good pick, a good a good favorite, a good banger for you, Jeff. Good job. Do you do you not think this is a banger? Is that my no? Order? It's my uh, well, it's it's technically my fourth banger, Man, but it's still. Fucking, it, what are you? Uh, there's, okay, so like first of all, the, like around like the three thirty mark is when like the real instrumental really kicks in, it really gets mm-hmm. into that groove, really starts like going crazy. But then the ending to this song, oh, I love that. Ending. Like like he like Claypool like a uses motor. a lot of these weird like like flats and 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 weird you know like minors chords and everything. But he ends mm-hmm. his song on what sounds like a major, but he's doing like the harmonic. And it's just like the last mm. note of the song; it just bleeds out. Oh, it's so and it's, good. it's just such a it's such a weird contrast from the rest of the song, and it leads you on such a a weird high. But you don't even know what's going on because the entire time that my my name is Mud is going on, you listen to this weird bass line that's rolling along, doesn't make any sense. He's singing along to it; he shouldn't be singing and playing at the same time. And the <laughs> ending of it is just like ding. I know it's such a great way to end the song. Oh, I love it so much. But even the, besides that, that harmonic at the end, it's like that, like he's he's palm muting that top string, but he's like he's thumping it so hard to where it sounds like a motor. And then on top of that, you have Tim playing like that floor tom, and the bass drum is like, so it just it it really like brings out the heaviness of it and the bassiness of it. And then, and then it just—it sounds so cool, man. There's like nothing that sounds like that. And like you said, ending it on that—that that weird harmonic is—it's perfect. It's a perfect ending to the song. You, he, they could not have done better. The only other band that I've I've known, or that I can think of on the top of my head at least, that ends their song on this weird notes. And there's a term for it too. There's an actual term where they like if if you I don't know whatever the chord progression is, whatever the the key of the song is ending your song on a specific note that contrasts what you've already done for the past three minutes of the song. But like Weezer, when Weezer ended um, only in dreams, the last mm-hmm. note of that song is this weird, like major note. It wasn't a harmonic. It was just like this weird note that they didn't play at all through the whole song on blue. And so that's like the only other band that I know that, that has done that before. And it's just, it's so bizarre and it's such a, it's such a little tiny little nuance that's that's lost. Like it, I mean, I I know neither of us really know anything about musical theory at all, but would that be something that would be considered like blasphemy in that in that sense? Like, like is that something very wrong in a musical sense to to do something so drastically different at the end? See, I I don't know. I I look at it as almost the opposite, where if you can't do it perfectly. It's gonna sound like complete shit, and if you can't if you can't make it sound absolutely perfect, like everything, like music is all about timing, and you 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 gotta have the timing. And if it's if it's half a second off, it's gonna sound like shit. If it's half a yeah. note off, it's gonna sound like shit. And so if you can't do it perfectly, it's gonna sound like garbage. And Primus killed it in this song, just like Weezer killed it in Only in Dreams. <laughs> Which they very did. Few you're, people laughing, would, you're laughing like that. I, no, I. But very few people would make make the comparison between Primus and Weezer in that sense. 
in a musical sense like that. But you look at the masterminds behind both those bands, and they're both extremely talented musicians at their peak. Yeah, but very different styles and sure. different kind of musician. Sure. I mean, I, I don't know. It would, <laughs> We're it not going to get into this argument. It would be, it would be crazy. And, and it would be crazy less. if this podcast turned into like a classical podcast. And then like we went back to like like Baroque era oh, stuff. God. And then I we, don't know anything about and this. And then we started like picking up like, holy shit, this is where modern rock music has got like its roots, roots, roots. This is where like blues music started. <laughs> like it would be crazy if we could pick up little nuances like that. From like fucking Vivaldi or or Mozart or something, wouldn't that be nuts, Tyler? It Tyler, would be really cool. It would be. I totally agree. Yeah. I wish I, I wish I like classical music more, but I just I can't. It's hard for me to get into because I don't understand it. What's well, it? That's always been my biggest thing with it. It's hard to get into because we can't just pull up like, oh, fucking did Mozart play? Did Mozart release an album last year? It's always like, well, no, it's not that. This band playing like, Mozart, and then when somebody else plays your music inevitably there's going to be something that's lost in translation from the original composer. And that's how I feel. That's how that, that's the reason why I never got really into it is because if it's not, if I'm not hearing the artist's rendition of their own music, there's something that's going to be lost. Maybe that's part of what it is, but it's also, you know, I don't, I don't understand. I don't know how to play like a violin. I don't know how to play certain instruments I mean, I understand how how they work, but I don't know how to play them. And because I don't know how to play them, even from like a very rudimentary sense, like it's hard for me to get into it because I don't know how they're doing it. And it bothers me that I don't know how they're doing it. So it kind of almost turns me off to it in a weird way, if that makes any sense at all. Okay. No, it makes sense. I just, I, I like to know, like with, that's what I like about rock music and, and even prog music and jazz music. Like, I, I don't, I don't really understand jazz a lot, but I know the instruments that they're playing and I know enough about the instrument to understand, you know, I could follow along with it. I could follow along with like certain scales and, and weird things like that. Not weird things, but just things like that. But with classical music, it's a, it's a whole nother, it's like another universe to me. So it's been so difficult for me to get into it, but I love classical music, but it's weird. I, I would love to get more into it though. Okay. Someday. Yeah, maybe Sip like you said, drink. we'll turn into a, a classical music pod someday. That'll be the day. <sighs> yeah. All right. Uh, what do we got? So what we go with? My name is Mud. Mm. Should we move on? Yeah. So like I said, My Name is Mud was my, my fourth favorite. My my first favorite was DMV. My second favorite was Welcome to This World. My third favorite is Bob. Dude. <laughs> I know, man. We just we can't agree on these ones. So like this one this one was weird because the only part that I really, really, really liked was was kind of like the ending where the song just like crescendos mm-hmm. and it sounds like Les is getting increasingly emotional, like overly emotional as the crescendo goes on and on and on. And I really like that, but the song starts off really slow. It just kind of like trudges along. Like lyrically I think it's pretty deep. As far as as the Primus song goes on this one, mm-hmm. but other than that, man, I think I think the song's okay. But when you're talking about like the crescendo of it all and, and kind of the the rising of it, when you read the lyrics, I feel like this is one of the songs that has the deeper meaning because it's about a suicide. It's about for it's the perspective of of not only Les but his friend and the Bob's girlfriend 
and it's kind of how they're all reacting and how they're all getting over the the suicide of their friend or boyfriend or whatever and then the very like some of the last lyrics of the perspective is Les's uh perspective where he says he can he can never go back to the apartment where the hanging happened like that was like really the only the, the only mention of it but it's the only mention of this specific person not getting over the suicide was less. So that's kind of where I feel you kind of get the, the rising part of it and the crescendo of it is because that's less not over his friend's suicide, but everybody else has got over it. Clearly less is not, I mean, whatever emotion he is feeling, he's not over that emotion, whether it be anger, sadness, whatever it is, he's not mm -hmm. over it. And I think the title, this the title of the track, Bob, like it's such a, it's such a generic, like, white person name, like Bob, Bill, Hank, like anybody from King of the Hill, like, you could name this fucking song after. And to name it Bob, like, so generic. The only thing more generic would be to name it, like, John Doe, right? Yeah. Like, but to name it Bob is just like, this This is not just like an, a song about Les's deeper psyche coming out and being vulnerable, but this is like an anthem to everybody who can't deal with any kind of like emotional response to a tragic event and who still, it's still that, that, that event like still continues to haunt them. And I think like that's why the crescendo part is so important to this song. The only reason why I say it's an okay song is because the beginning part I think is really slow. I don't I think really it's like just it that really much. boring. Yeah. The beginning part, I, I do think it's kind of boring. Yes. Do you think it's because it comes off of welcome to this world where you're kind of on this high? Of <laughs> I thought about that too. I even wrote here too. I said, I said not because of that. I like capitalized N O T. I said not because of that. But isn't it a weird sequencing where you have "Welcome to This World," where it almost seems seems like a, it's just him talking about all his his desires and what he wants in a perfect world, and then you go immediately from that into like one of the saddest songs he's ever done. Yeah, one of the yeah one of like the saddest things on the album at least. It's just it's a weird it's a very weird sequencing, but I guess it would add to the the quirkiness and weirdness of Primus. Yeah, I guess, I guess like taking that into consideration, like clearly the dude is emotionally unstable, not emotionally mm -hmm. underdeveloped like Mark Hoppus, <laughs> but just kind of emotionally unstable. But like, who isn't, right? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, who isn't? Mm -hmm. And so I, th I Especially think... Especially with a tragedy. Yeah. I think that's, um, damn, I don't want to say fun, but it's it's fun to listen to because... We can we can actually hear so many facets of of Les's personality, not just through his bass playing, because he is so good at playing the bass that he can tell stories and he can make us feel things just by playing the bass, slapping the bass, and then, yeah. and then also like through his actual lyrics and his words, like it's especially when his lyrics are never they're never shown to be that deep. Like he's not a he's not a poetic man really. It doesn't seem like he is. No, I don't. I don't think so either. There's there's very few instances like the entire discography where I thought, wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna read up on this one because this one got me. Yeah, this was one of them. Though. And I feel, like, and then I also I feel like the, the other the one other song on this this album that that can be read more into is an instrumental song, and the only reason why you'd want to read more on it is because of the title of the song. Hamburger. You know, that's wounded. No, that's wounded, oh, knee. wounded knee. You know, and that was from Tim. That was from the drummer who decided to to title that track. So should we move on from Bob? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, cool. 
let's um should we go should we get into i mean i brought it up should we just briefly get into wounded knee i mean this song was like you said it was instrumental and naming it wounded knee and the history behind wounded knee and everything that's gone on with that i dude the xylophone sound or whatever that sound was mm-hmm. i don't know if it was I, cool i don't know if i liked it i don't know if that worked really i, don't I know. thought it was really cool I think I think it took away from a lot of like the seriousness. It kind of added this childish element to it mm-hmm. that I just I ugh, I don't know. The percussion was definitely the best part of that song, absolutely. But the song well, the was xylophone okay. technically is percu- a percussive instrument. You just contradicted yourself. Okay, well I'm sorry. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't fucking play play school. Red, blue, orange, yellow xylophones. Oh damn, that's fucked up. <laughs> I always I, I see a xylophone. I was like a piano. Is it a piano or percussive instrument? What would you call classify a piano as? Well, a piano is a stringed instrument. A piano, I, okay. because the you're hammer right, because right. the hammer hits the string. You're right. Yeah, yeah. You're hitting a key, but the hammer hits the string. I guess the true question would be which came out first, a xylophone type instrument or a piano? Because I feel like whichever came out first, xylophone that's would what come the other first, would come. What do you mean? Of course. Don't say of course. Because banging on something is far more primitive than creating those an are instrument drums with the, a string. The xylophone has specific notes, though. So do drums. A snare has a different tone than a floor tom. A floor tom has, has a different tone from a bass drum. But do you tune your snare to like the like the key of A? I honestly, I don't know. You can't ask me that. Okay. I do not know. Because you can, you can, you can buy a xylophone that has like an A in it. Yeah. But not just a name, which doesn't have a name. But I don't. It's different. It's just different. Why are we? Why are we arguing about xylophones? Oh, you brought it up. You brought it up. You said that you didn't <laughs> like it. You talked about you fucking lo- primus. Wait, no, 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 no. You you said I don't like the xylophone. I don't like the xylophone. It, but stupid. I love the percussion in it. But, but you, you love the okay, percussion. Fuckface, you know what I'm talking about. Which is clearly, a percussive instrument. Clearly, when I say I don't like the xylophone, but I like the percussion, <laughs> I'm not talking about the fucking xylophone, even if that is a percussion instrument. You said it, not me. You're the one contradicting oh, yourself. Yeah. But that's fine. We, we all do it sometimes. So now, right? now you're taking the stance of, of an authority on the xylophone as a percussive instrument. I'm not. I just know it is a percussive instrument. Okay, no, you know that for a fact. Yeah, oh, okay. absolutely. For a I fact, do. he knows that. Okay. Yes. Okay. Correct. All right, all right, all right. You want me to say it again? I can say it no, again if you fine. want. We got you on recording. <laughs> you might bleep it out. No, I would never because yeah, I'm right. You know, you know. When I'm right, I don't post. bleep. <laughs> yeah, when I'm right, I don't bleep. So only when I'm wrong. Not a percussive instrument. That's what it sound like. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, wounded knee. That's okay. it's a cool. It's a cool instrumental. That's right. It's 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 not the best instrumental by any means on this album. Okay. Okay. In any capacity. Okay. Okay. Even the first but, song, Pork Chops Little D, the first Pork Chops Little D is better than, than Wounded Knee. Oh, you're dumb. That's dumb. No, it's But Tim fact. Tim Alexander, the drummer, did name this song uh, based off of his reading of the book Bury My Hair. Buried My Hair. Fuck. Bury My, Bury my Heart. Buried My Heart or Shell at Wounded Knee. I actually do want to read this book, especially now after reading this. I, it sounds interesting. And sad at the same time. It fits with the whole theme of the album of the, the kind of the the sadness of it and the, the darkness, the dark theme of the entire record. And I thought that was a, it was good. It, it, it's conveyed well instrumentally and with the, the title, it, it really adds to that. 
But I guess that's about it with Wounded Knee, right? Yeah, that's it. So you already gave your three, your your three top four I bangers. My top four. No, you you said DMV Bob. Yeah. Welcome to this world. And the Wounded Knee was your top four. And mud. No, and Mud. Oh yeah, Mud. Okay, 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 yeah. okay. My name is Mud. So yeah. my my top would be Welcome to This World. My name is Mud. And then I'm probably going to go down to Pork Soda. Ooh, okay. That's an and interesting then if choice. And then if I'm going to get like really, really crazy, I'm going to do Hamburger Train. Oh, boy, you're wild. I know. You're wild, man. Okay. What, what do you want to talk about first? Um, so let's, let's do Pork Soda because this song reminded me of the song Institutionalized. Mm-hmm. And that is just kind of like a narrative story. That's just kind of like fuck it, and like the whole pork soda concept, mm-hmm. which I never even thought about. I never even put together. Never even gave two 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 shits about until this album, where this song seemed to be like you you know you want to fuck around, you want to you want to smoke, you want to drink, just drink your bacon juice, drink pork soda, and just die of obesity. And yeah, that's kind of what this song seemed like it was about to me, and that's very. That's very like uh, almost. I can't. I can't. That's on the tip of my tongue. I can't. Prophetic. I don't know, man. Like defeating. Like I give up. Okay. Fuck yeah, you. Yeah. Just fucking yeah. fuck yourself. Just die. Mm-hmm. And so, like coming up, coming off like earlier songs like Bob and and if we're taking yeah, my name is Mud as being somebody who's. Because my like my name is Mud too wasn't necessarily about like Samuel Mud we just, that was just like an offshoot, yeah. But that song seems like uh, like a friend killing a friend type of thing. Like this whole this whole album is like weird, and just to think that that pork soda is just maybe him giving up at that point could be a bigger narrative on this album, I guess possibly. What you were saying on top of just how he describes certain things. Like the way he talks about the the burgundy couch and everything, and how it's gotten dark over time, and how it's falling apart. It just sounds gross. It's a gross sounding song lyrically. Yeah, it's not even supposed to be burgundy. And, yeah, and then and then throw the music on top of it. It's like less playing playing the bass. With, he's playing the bass with a bow, so it has almost like this like this like shanty sound to it and like a, like a pirate shanty sound to it like you're on a you feel like you're on a boat like going back and forth on a boat it's very it's good i'm gonna play a little bit of pork soda does it sound good to you yeah we haven't played a song in a while so yeah. here's here's a here's pork soda this is my, my fifth favorite as well so here we go
around the house. Swimming down them Kansas wine. Man, I love his bass on that. I love when he uses the bow on that bass. Sounds so good. And he got lures like that that weird high chicken chicken picking sound. Chicken uh, picking. Chicken picking. I guess that, that's the only thing way I, it's the only way I could describe that sound. I don't know. Man, that's a solid one. That's my that's my fifth favorite, pork soda. It's a good one. That's a good one. It's a forgotten it's a forgotten favorite for sure. You know, less less sounds like the grandpa from Hey Arnold in this one. Do you get that you at all? So? Yeah, uh, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> that's 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 kind of what I. Ah, that's that's, that's the vibe I was getting from him. I have to go back and watch Hey Arnold. I, I don't really. Oh. I vaguely remember what his grandpa sounds like. I feel like you don't watch enough cartoons in your life. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't watch a lot of. I don't watch as much TV as I used to. And when I do, it's not necessarily cartoons. Mm. That's a shame. Mm. The way she goes. Breadwinners, bro. Breadwinners. But, um... But, it, no, that show's not that... Oh God, that show's so ridiculous. Oh, my God. <laughs> How does that show even exist? It's so it's good. It's insanity. So good. It's insanity. It never stops. It's like oh That show's like Les Claypool God. just never fucking stops. Never. No, it, it's stops. like way. It's way hyper than Les Claypool. <laughs> like Les Claypool and Coke. <laughs> he just never fucking Dude, stops. It, that show is, in, it's absolute insanity. How but you, I never, I never with with this song, I never made the the suicidal connect. Su- oh my god, the suicidal tendencies connection where it sounds like uh, institutionalized. I mean, but it I, totally makes sense now. It doesn't it's sound, totally I, I don't think it like sounds right. like it, but it, it definitely has that same type of like vibe to it where it's just like a narr- narr- narrator, narrator. I can't even Yeah, and he's just kind of talking. But, it's um, not like he's trying to like play along with the song. It's just he's talking, he's telling a story, talking. Yeah. More spoken word. You hear it, right? You hear that? Yeah. You got in there? Oh, I t- absolutely hear it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. <laughs> How, how do you how do you, how do you feel about the air is getting slippery? Great song, banger song. It's not one of my faves, but it's uh, it's good. Cause like this one and Hamburger Train are kind of like they went back and forth between which one was my top four. Um, this one because again it has like that polka style pirate shanty thing that they did, mm-hmm. and like right off the bat, like if you want to just play the intro, like the first like twenty seconds, right off the bat. I already knew I was going to like this song. There is getting slippery? Yeah. That one? Okay, here we go. Oh, nope, wrong Whoa. song. This song has always reminded me of. I love the song. <laughs> what? I'm, not, I'm having a good time. I'm just. This song is so good. <laughs> it's so it's very fucking good. good. It's a very very good song, but it it's always reminded me of Disneyland. <laughs> 
Like you walk through New Orleans Square, oh, or you damn, walk through that's funny. something like that. It's fucking Disneyland, straight up, right? That's funny because the pork chops little ditty in the beginning, mm-hmm. I legit wrote super short instrumental. These are my cliff notes. Reminds me of like the Bayou, like the beginning of Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> and then, and the air is getting slippery. I also wrote C, pork chops little ditty. <laughs> But it's true. It it, it's no, so it totally Disneyland. does. But like right off I the fucking it, bat, dude, like right off the bat, that style. Like I knew I was gonna love this fucking song. And it's like really this is good. the only song on the album where you actually hear, and you actually set up for a like like a I don't want to say guitar solo because it's not a guitar, but a guitar solo, the banjo solo. Yeah, Les sets really it up good. and says, "Hey, how about a solo or something like that." And like usually, like the solos are just like intertwined in the instrumentation, or they're overshadowed by Les's mastery. But this mm-hmm. one has a solid banjo solo. It's good. And the banjo and comes does a in great so job. hard, dude. He comes in so hard. Yep. I mean, it's playing right now in the background. But. And like the pacing of him saying it's incredibly hot in here today is, I think, it's so funny. It's so That's fun. All he- <laughs> That's all he like says too. Hot hair, just- incredibly hot in here. He just talks about how hot it is. <laughs> that's so that's, good. That's literally the entire song is him talking about how hot it is and how sweaty he is. Like, but everybody can relate to that. <laughs> in the summer, everybody it's hot and sweaty and it's miserable and frustrating, and there's nothing you can do. It's a, it's a, it's a perfect song. It's a great song. Damn. Ah oh, shit. And I love that. The title of the song too. The air is getting slippery. It's gross. Like, how does he come up with some of the the titles of these songs are just so ridiculous sometimes. Well, they're so it's, it it's so it's so almost uh, like literal. Like the air is mm-hmm. so humid that it's like it's getting wet. <laughs> yeah, and like the whole like pork <laughs> soda kind of vibe, like drinking bacon juice. Like the whole this whole album is kind of disgusting. Yeah, kind of like this low key way. It kind of uh, w- what I get from from this whole album too, uh, from the titles of the songs, they almost seem like every title could have been taken from a conversation that he had with somebody else. And there's evidence of that in a song like "Mr. Crinkle," which is a straight up tribute to Mike Borden, the drummer from Faith No More, because apparently Mike Borden's kind of a weird dude, and Les Claypool loves it. And the name Mr. Crinkle came from him because every time Mike Borden would check into a hotel, he would use a fake name and his fake name was Mr. Crinkle. (laughs) And then all the references in that song are references to Mike Borden. Like in some weird conversation that they've had, it's, it's all very subtle. So I feel like everything here is a reference to his real, to Les's real life and just interactions he's had with people, friends or strangers or who knows. That's kind of how I feel about it. Like that song specifically too. Man. Also, is is a that sounds like a jam song. Yeah, it is. That that sounds like a jam it, song that he was like, just he had ideas that he was floating around with Mister Crinkle in the the random hotels he was at, and he brought it to Primus and said, "Here's what I've got. Work around it. Let's go. One, two, three, done." Like like I feel. I, I mean, I have no idea how the recording process goes. But I feel less is one of those guys that like first time, best time type of thing where he says, okay, I'm going to play something 
try and keep up. Let's see where it goes. Record mm-hmm. it, and from there, like that, that now becomes like the the brainchild. Like that first recording now becomes what they work off of. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I I feel the same way too because I think maybe I think it was pork soda that it was the first time that they they recorded the album uh, at Les's studio called Rancho Relaxo, which is a reference from The Simpsons. Apparently, that was one of the the spas that that Marge visited in The Simpsons. If I'm yeah, not Rancho Relaxo. Mistaken. So I mean, I only know that because that's what I read. I I'm not a big Simpsons guy, but. Yeah, that's what I read. So that I mean that that's pretty cool. So I, it seems like they just they go there, they kind of they jam around a little bit and just kind of throw down what sounds cool, and that's it. That's all, you know. And then they record it and mix master it and send it out, and it's released. It's as simple as that. They don't. They've never seemed like a band that that fusses too much over their music. And when the, the one time that they did with Antipop, that kind of ended the the band for several years. So it, it they're they're a truly truly unique and interesting band. Good great stuff. Um is it <laughs> Yeah. No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> like why even ask that dumb question? <laughs> I I don't know. I I just get I get really irritated because if you just google like top 5 bass players of all time in any capacity like every list every list is going to have like one of two bass players um mm-hmm. one is gonna Clifford. be i mean not not okay so like like the list that i saw from the bigger names uh john entwistle mm-hmm. from the who he's he's always in like yeah. the top five uh jp j from uh, zeppelin he's gonna be in the top five mm-hmm. yeah. um flea getty lee Getty Lee's always in, in a lot of the in a lot of the top ten lists at least, but Flea is also in a lot of like the top five. And then what bothers me a lot is like Paul McCartney is always in like the top five, top seven, top eight. And I think the Beatles yeah. are widely overrated. And Paul McCartney is the bass player at best. He's a good pop bass player, but to not put like Les Claypool in there. It just it's irritates me. It irritates me. Even like like yeah. like in my new like we didn't we did Black Sabbath not too not too long ago. I think that was our first episode in the new format, right? It was, yeah. Yeah, so like great Geezer, episode. Like, Go like, check Ge- it out. Like Geezer Butler, my new found like uh, appreciation for him and him not being in a lot of the top five lists really bothered me. But Les Claypool, like yeah. I don't know, man. Like top three for sure of all time. Easily easily dude the guy can can work around anything he's so good technically and he's so good songwriting wise it's it's truly disrespectful to him that he's never at the the top of these lists and i think it's just because of the fact that oh les claypool yeah he's a he's he's the bass player for primus and like that's that's as far as as the conversation goes and it's it's never like well have you have you like listened to primus have you listened to to Les Claypool play, have you, like have you like, have you heard him? Not only that, but ha- do you not know that they wrote arguably one of the most famous theme songs for a TV show of all time, like top five, maybe top ten in South Park? Yeah, I would. I you mean, know? it's been on for so fucking long. South, yeah, and I mean, it, it's one of those iconic TV theme songs, regardless of 
whether or not you like the show, it stands out from everything else, from anything else, like from the Simpsons to like Simpsons have the, that very kind of old school style sound to it. The family guy has the, the very kind of big band sound. And then you throw it back to like, you know, you could throw it back to old sitcoms and shit like that from the 60s, 70s and 80s, which are all iconic, but South Park really stands alone in in its in its whole in its style and its uniqueness of a theme song it's weird it's a weird weird theme song i think it's 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 great i think it's interesting i mean just as a quick aside like some of the biggest i don't want to call it sitcom because simpsons is technically a sitcom but it's a cartoon but some of like the Mm -hmm. biggest like theme songs of all time like the simpsons but danny elfman was also in another big band, and then he wrote the theme song for The Simpsons. I think it's kind of interesting, like musicians writing theme songs yeah. that have lasted. And South Park is kind of that that like sleeper. Like South Park's been around for so long, but because it's on, I think what it because it's on the Comedy sorry. Central and because it's it's adult oriented, and because it's uh, you know like percentage wise the episodes are better than the simpsons from what i've seen yeah oh yeah absolutely 100 percent. like it's not like it just like the simpsons it's not going away no because they they continually evolve and they do it really well unlike the simpsons who have not aged well just saying they've evolved it's just been in a very bad bad way yeah not a good way devolved but but south park for the most part they're pretty much hit after hit Every once in a while you get a dud, but for the most part it's hit after it. But also, like like you made a good point, the reason why I feel that that theme song didn't really blow up as much as it should have was because it was on a cable network, and not just a cable network, but a late night cable network show. So generally that show is played after 9 or 10 p.m., especially 10 p.m., because that's when, you know, the whole, what is the, the, what is the fucking... What's that that super government agency here in the states? The FTC or the IRS? The FCC. No, (laughs) right? The FCC. It's the IRS. You're not allowed to cuss on. You're not allowed to cuss on TV or radio before 10 p.m. Not anymore. It's pretty much like a free. Show butts and everything now. Well, nowadays, but like back in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you couldn't do that unless it was after 10 p.m. So maybe that's why it didn't get as big, but. God damn, dude, that, that South Park theme song is perfection. But anyway, back to Pork Soda. Do we want to talk <laughs> about any other songs in here? Um, or do just, you want to do? I guess just real quick, um, Hail Santa, then a bicycle bell at the end of it. Um, wasn't a great song. It was just kind of a fun outro. That was cute. Pork Chop's little ditty right before it. Uh, that was kind of cool. Was that like the mandolin? That we're hearing there, I guess. Yeah. That was fun. It sounded like it. Uh, hamburger Train. That was like I, I thought this was like my fourth banger. Less is coming out heavy right away. Mm-hmm. A lot of riffage, a lot of slapping. Never stops. Guitar kind of eventually comes in, but realistically, the song is just like less jamming, and hoping everyone else can just kind of keep up with him. And yeah, what kind of was cool about this song was the song itself sounded like a train. It's eight minutes long, yeah. And so, like, given like the beginning to end of it, and just given that if you if you take Les's bass as the lead, 
it's a train. It's just a train just chugging along, chugging along, chugging along. The guitar kind of comes in every when it's like horn whistles blowing or whatever trains do besides just roll. I don't know. <laughs> but but then the the end of but like the, the like the truly cool part of this was the end of it. The end of it just kind of like stopped like a train would stop like slowly loudly obnoxiously stops and then like that was mm-hmm. it uh, that was fun it's yeah, great uh, wait, wait, wait but but stay on hamburger train the intro the intro is pulled from the movie nice dreams the Cheech and chong movie i know you i know you're not a Cheech and chong fan really not at all but I, I love the movies a lot and i'm not i don't even smoke weed really that often but i love the Cheech and chong movies and it was kind of it was a fun little pull from the movies. It was it was between Paul Rubens who played Pee Wee Herman, and then Tommy Chong who was Chong obviously and Cheech Chong. But it was it was pulled from that that those two characters from that movie, Nice Dream. So I thought that was a cool pull, especially considering you know Les Claypool is known to be a huge pot smoker as well as Tim and I'm sure Lure is as well. Um, so that that was cool that they kind of threw that one in there as well. But yeah, continue. Sorry. Okay, and the last thing I want to talk about real quick is the old Diamondback Sturgeon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, I want to talk. Sorry, I was drinking. I was drinking a beer. So. What are you drinking? I want to talk about that one too. Well, yeah, uh, I am drinking a Buddy Budweiser. That's great. Um, so, like the old Diamondback Sturgeon, that yeah. was like the the part three of what would eventually be the four part Fisherman series, right? Yeah, because the last part being the third and final entry. Well, there, there, I thought there was a fourth one. Was there a fourth one? In, I thought this was the last one. In like, uh, like the, it was either anti-pop or something in that was there? that vein. There's a fisherman song. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I don't think so. Maybe it wasn't anti-pop, but I mean, I'm I pretty be, damn I sure like, there was a fourth. Maybe Green Nagaid. There was a fourth. Maybe it was Salmon Men. I don't know. I, I, I was like, again, again, like in more no. Reddit thread, people were saying there's extensions and. Well, regardless, on its own, yeah. this thing stands. This thing stands up on its own. It's, it's fine, but the the intro here reminded me if like Led Zeppelin's "Over the Hills and Far Away" was reimagined on the bass guitar. That's that's weird. It dude, like just like think of like if you want to play, you can play. I'm not telling you what to do, but think of that as no, you hear it. Of course, it. I'll play it. Yeah. And just, I, I, dude, that's what it fucking sounds like. It's, it sounds like if somebody good on the bass guitar was like, oh, that's a really cool, that's a really cool riff, Jimmy. R- Jimmy, can I take that? Okay. <laughs> and, and Here then, it is. So what part do you think sounds like over the hills and far away? It's just a, it's just a constant like overlaying of the bass guitar, like over the hills and far away does, but that's probably on a twelve string guitar. It's just the overlay of the bass yeah. to have this like wall of sound coming in with a lot of just like weird like hammer ons and I, I don't know, just a lot of like mm-hmm. riffage. It's just it, that's 
that's what the vibe I get. That's what it sounds like to I, me. It's hard for me to make that connection, though. I don't. I'm trying to understand it, but I don't know. Maybe you should just understand it and stop and stop worrying about it so much. Another thing, though, about this <laughs> song, because I think this song is a fucking banger. <laughs> I playlisted it. Um, this song was kind of like a cool, sad story of what happens to like a fish when the fisherman catches it, or the entire story of like a fish getting caught. The only other person I've ever heard talk about a fish getting caught from the fish's perspective is like Mitch Hedberg, right? <laughs> when he talks about like like the fish is like goes into work and he's like, Oh, sorry I'm late. I got caught by a hook and the boss is like, Bullshit, let me see the inside of your lip. Like as if like the fish got caught from a hook and got loose. Yeah. But like got, and then got thrown back in. Yeah. Yeah. Like he didn't want to like kill Let the fish. Let me see the inside of your mouth or <laughs> something like that. I don't want to kill the fish. I just want to make it like late for something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. It was something along those lines. The the one of the most <laughs> difficult things with Mitch Hedberg is his timing. Like you can you could say the exact same joke that Mitch Hedberg says, but it will never be as funny because nobody nobody has ever had that that it, that great timing that Mitch Hedberg had. Like the guy was one of a kind. Just as a quick Nobody aside too. I, I think like when you first start telling jokes, I mean, I'm no comedian, but I feel like I say funny stuff sometimes. Well, and so when you first yeah. start telling jokes, you always start as one liners, right? You start as the one liners and then you work your way up to, to like stories or then you go into like the situational stuff, the observational stuff or whatever it is. You don't yeah. go back to one-liners. Mitch Hedberg went back to one-liners. Went back to like the true basics. And like Les he Claypool. He made his career on it. And like Les Claypool did it better than anybody could ever do it. And will ever do it. But what did Les Claypool go back to? That's what I'm wondering. That's true, too. <laughs> That's true. That's good. That's your connection, That's your connection made no sense. I, my connection was that they're both a masters of their craft, and no one else will ever sound like them, but they're always going to be thrust into that category of oh, that's just like a one-liner Mitch Hedberg joke. Oh, that's just a that's just a Primus song. Oh man, <laughs> that's why Les Claypool's uh, never good. in. I shouldn't say never. That's why Les Claypool isn't like in a lot of top five bass players of all time lists is because he doesn't market himself like Flea does. He's not. He he just doesn't do that. And so people just don't know who he is or don't realize that Les Claypool is the guy that did Primus and Primus is really fucking good if you listen to him. Well, I think I think what it to me, I think what it comes down to is that Prime or Les Claypool's main band, which is Primus, is not as as accessible as the Red Hot Chili Peppers is that Flea is in. You know, they write straight pop rock. That's what they've been doing for the last arguably almost 30 years now is pop rock and but primus has not done that they've they've done their own brand of they've done their own style like there's like we've talked about there's nobody that sounds like primus so i think that that's kind of what what sets them apart that's why primus is, isn't playing shows to 40,000 people but they're playing the shows to 5,000 people you know it's just it's the style of music. Not as many people are going to get into it, even though it's technically and songwriting speaking, it's in some ways better. 
He's he's just he's too good for his own good. Is what it is. It is. It's like it's like that. It's like the the great the great thing about Les Claypool is that after Cliff. Well, I mean, I don't want to say Cliff Burton dying is not great for Metallica. I mean, that was obviously awful, an awful tragedy. But when he died, they they wanted they needed a new bass player, so they Kirk Hammett, who's a good friend of Les Claypool, invited him to audition. And Les Claypool auditioned for Metallica, and it was a disaster because he was too good for Metallica. And every band member in Metallica said, "Oh, he was way too good for us." Like he walked into the studio and he like made some stupid remark, like, "Oh, hey, you guys want to play some Bob Seger?" Or like he said something weird like that. <laughs> like there's this ah oh, fuck dude. I need, back when like Metallica did what was that behind the music? Remember on VH1? Yeah. On that there was there was a there was a clip on that episode where they talk about auditioning Les Claypool, and Les Claypool's on that episode of Behind the Music, and he there, there's a clip of him saying of talking about briefly like a five second clip of him talking about the audition and how like it just didn't work out but every member of metallica said he was way too good for them and it's absolutely true the guy's beyond talented he's so good too good for his own good mm-hmm. Woo! oh shit okay that was a mouthful yeah man this is this has been quite the episode i hate all i hate all my points all right um the so artwork let's... real quick too lance montoya he oh did, yeah he did the the sculptures for a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the primus stuff, a lot of the claymation things. Yeah, he did the videos. He did the artwork. Yeah, what? Why are you laughing? I don't know because like, like everything about primus sometimes can be very, oh. very immersive, very good. But they're such a niche band, like Tool, yeah. right? Like Tool, even though Tool, I don't think is good. So like Tool. Tool are not good. People love fucking Tool. People think that Tool is like the greatest thing that that God's ever given us, which is complete false. Like, oh, I know. Like, if there was a God, oh, so if there hilarious. is a God, and if God wasn't give us any kind of good band, like Primus would for sure be ahead in the line than Tool. Yeah, like Primus, Mars Volta, you know, shit like that. I mean, you above know? Tool, yes. I'll give you that, but Primus is better. Prim- Ooh, I'm I'm dare I say I'm like I'm starting to like Primus more than the Mars Volta. <laughs> Dude, you're wild. I mean, I'm not gonna <laughs> honestly, it's one of those instances where I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't even be disappointed. I would just be happy that you're enjoying good music. Do you even like Sloan? That's what it would I, be. I, I, like this week I've listened to so much Primus that even Sloan has been like, Is this the same band? I was like, Yeah, this is still Primus. Like, this is good. Yeah, they're fucking great. And that kinda leads me to my point. How was this band so popular? How can a band this weird be this this so well renowned and and just popular? I mean, popular is the best thing to to say. Why? How? Because they How appeal. Is possible? They appeal to everybody. Like they, they they don't tick any of those boxes of a pop band or a pop group, but yet they're they're wildly popular. It's they appeal to the potheads. They appeal to the band geeks. Who are in it for the music? They appeal to like uh, the kind of jocks because Primus p- plays all these fucking rad festivals that all the jocks go to and pretend they like music. They appeal to everybody. Like everybody can listen to a Primus song. They appeal to the fucking video game nerds now, or not now, but like since yeah. like the nineties. Like they appeal to everybody. 90s, yeah. Everybody can find something in Primus that they like because they're great. That's, or that's the or. Or did they low key market themselves better than like any band ever? 
I think I don't think it's that at all. I no, think they're not. just they're that good. I don't think it's marketing at all. I think I think marketing is the last thing on their mind. Especially considering, you know, the 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 video for Mr. Crinkle was just let it was all less. Less directed it. He had his wife and his wife's twin sister in it and he was like it was everything he wanted in a music video and it was never played on MTV. Like he didn't he did everything he wanted in that video and it was it was totally shut down by MTV. And he was super pissed about it. Oh, I mean, so like they, one, they don't give a shit about it that. It wasn't a good video. But I'm just saying, they, <laughs> they don't care about they don't care about necessarily their image. They just kind of do with whatever the fuck they want. And it's great. Yeah. That was my point with that. But and before actually before we round it out, I do want to talk about two more things regarding okay. my name is Mud. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh but what I wanted to mention was My Name is Mud. They played that song at Woodstock 1994. And they, when they started playing it, about a, within a minute, people were pelting, ever, pelting the band with mud as they were singing it. And, uh, and the drummer, Tim, took a big, big glob of mud to the face to the point where they had to stop their set. And Les Claypool had to comment saying, you know, I kinda, we kind of walked into this one. I don't know what I was expecting playing the song. It was just like him kind of realizing like how dumb it was for them to play the song with all this mud involved in the show. See, so I, it I, was, it was, I took that as less Claypool being super fucking pissed that people aren't listening to his music, but knowing that if he would, if he would show any kind of weakness, it would just get worse. And so that was probably like the True. best, the best thing you could do. If you were that pissed, because I think he was fucking pissed, mm-hmm. and that's probably the best thing he oh, could have said. Likely, yeah, because he's not—he's not Billy Joe. He's not going to encourage it. He's not going to fling it back. He's—he's—he's he's, he's legit upset that people are not listening to him. <laughs> but you can't show weakness to to, to people like that. You no, can't do no, it. You can't. <laughs> no, they will turn their backs on you instantly. so fast. So, he's a smart man. He he's is. a smart man for sure. He is. And then the the last thing regarding My Name is Mud, back in 2011 when Jay Lane was the drummer in the band, they re-recorded the song. They released it only on digital platforms, but they recorded um, a Spanish version of it. So all the lyrics are sung in Spanish by Les, and uh, it's obviously called Me Amo Mud. Should I play it? Yeah, it's good. Dude, I, it's surprisingly very, very good. I just, dude, it's just remarkable how good this goddamn fucking band is. They could take their classic song and just, I don't know, it's so good. Here we go. Yeah, I'm on mud. Azul, azul, marido. 
What a cool way to do the song. What I like even more about it is that Les didn't just re-record the vocals. Like he had the band come together and re-record the whole song. So like he involved Jay in on Jay in on it to re-record the drums. It's it's cool, man. It's really really cool. So good for them. I applaud Primus for that. Good on them. Good job, boys. Good job. I mean, the only other thing we didn't, I feel like we didn't touch upon were some of the music videos. Like, they did My Name is Mud. They did a video for that. They did the video for DMV. And then we briefly talked about Mr. Crinkle. Um, but, yeah, other than that, the videos were, were whatever. They're mostly performance videos with some art things going on. But it's whatever, right? Yeah. They're, you know, nothing memorable. Yeah. <sighs> so should we finish this up? Rate it? Yeah. We could, we could, we could good? wrap it up here. We could rate it. Wrap it up, rate it, tie All right. it, put it in a bow. Put All right, what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts are um, I still feel the same way about Primus, but I like more songs now. I still feel that mm-hmm. if you've heard one Primus song, you've kind of sort of heard all of them. Even yeah, even okay. though a lot, even though they do get a little more experimental and things, I get it. But if you've heard My Name is Mud, I mean, realistically, you've heard pretty much like a lot of the Primus stuff, which is not to say that you shouldn't listen to more Primus stuff because, I mean, if you've heard one Blink song, you've probably heard most of them. But yeah. Primus is one of those bands that's a little bit different because they're good. They're, I, I mean, I shouldn't say they, less I know. I, I will say they are good. Primus is good. Don't let's don't Claypool, discredit the rest of the guys. It's tough because I'm, not, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fix it. I'm gonna fix it. Primus is Please good do. as a band. They are good. Les Claypool is legendary, and okay. heroes get remembered, but legends never die, as Babe Ruth said in the Sandlot. Wow. Les Claypool is fucking legendary. I don't ever say that because it's a stupid term. Nobody's legendary, but Les Claypool is fucking legendary. And but, I know there's a lot of wait, bass wait. players out there that are still good. Like people throw out Cliff Burton a lot, but there was there was not enough there wasn't enough content for us to compare less to like Cliff, like John Entwistle. Yes, I get it. Like the Who standards, he was a he was a classically trained musician prior to even playing the bass. So he's he's fantastic. He's great. But dude, like nobody sounds like Les, and nobody and Les doesn't sound like anybody else. Mm-hmm. Just the way it is. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say top three, bass player. I mean, I'm not a bass player, but I'm gonna say top three bass players. I'm gonna say top two. I'm gonna say he's. he's I'm gonna say he's the second best. Only to who? Huh. Well, come on, Scott Schreiner from Weezer. 
<laughs> you don't even go with Matt Sharp. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Oh, you're such a cocksucker. No, JPJ. Oh, JPJ is probably the, the best. Uh, you think so? Yeah, the best bass player oh, of all time. Wow. Okay. <sighs> Continue the joke. Continue the joke. I just I the, like the first like silly bass player I thought. Not that Scott Schrander's silly because he's a cool dude and he, no, he's, he's he's very he's decent bass at the bass player. At, he's very he's decent. Very he's decent. very decent at the bass player. <laughs> he's <laughs> the first person I thought of. Um yeah, dude, Park Soda. I I chose this because again because I know like three songs, but it ended up being like in my top 2 favorite Primus albums. I'm I'm glad that we finally did Primus in their entirety. In our new format of listening to all their music, and it's worked out real well, and I'm I'm very I'm very happy. I have a newfound appreciation for Primus. I know where they're coming from. I know where I'm coming from, and now I kind of know where other people are coming from when they say, "Oh yeah, I've heard like Jerry was raised. I've heard my name is Mud," because I was that person. I get it. Like I get it. I know. I know what you're thinking. I get it. <laughs> So uh, my my ranking for this is probably like a two point, not a perfect album, but I'm doing two point. I'm doing two point eight. Just give it a perfect three. Two point eight. No, two point eight. Oh my god. I'd probably give Nagahide probably two point nine. Wow. That's like but blasphemy yeah. within the Primus community. But this is two point eight. All right, man. Here are my final thoughts. Did you save that that beer opening for this specific like that little line right there? I honestly did, yeah. You're such a fucking butthole. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> Only because I knew it, I knew it would get a reaction out of you. Oh man, and it would sound so lame. Ah <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so Primus, you know, been a fan for from from many years, many 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 years, and. um Les Claypool, man, that guy, he is unreal. He is my favorite bass player, or my second favorite bass player of all time. I almost got ahead of myself. He's my second favorite bass player of all time. Uh, I think he's he's an absolutely amazing musician. Uh, I have nothing negative, negative to say about him or the rest of the band. I think all three drummers, main drummers of the band, have been fantastic. I know we didn't touch upon Sausage, which was the band that formed after Primus, it's essentially the original lineup of Primus, but they put an album in 1994, which is fantastic. But yeah, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going off track. Yeah, I love all the drummers. Tim is a fantastic drummer. He sounds fucking amazing on Pork Soda. He has such a, a style to him that has been, so many drummers have been inspired by, and um, you can't discredit him at all. And same with Lur. Lur, he can he really accents everything that that Les does on the bass. And just this this album overall, after reading the lyrics and kind of like following with the theme of it all, it, it kind of it added more to the whole to the entire experience than before. Because like we you and I have always talked about, you and I aren't really lyrics lyric men, so we don't really follow that kind of stuff. We don't really do that kind of stuff or read about it. But this really added to the the whole experience, and it was fantastic. Pork Soda is my second favorite uh, Primus album, and I'm gonna have to give this one out of our three point rating system. Oh boy! Our three is a perfect album. Two is a good album. Just you're spit it out. Listen to. One is a bad album, but you should at least listen to it. And zero is hot garbage, hot garbage. 
I'm going to give this album, this Primus album, that is called Pork Soda, a perfect three out of three. Damn. It's a perfect album. There's nothing bad on this record. The instrumentals are all good. It's not about there being bad things on this record. It's about there being not perfect things on this record. And there are things that are not perfect. Yeah, the last like two songs on the outro are not perfect. Okay, so so we went through this entire discography at the beginning of the the pod, and so my the only albums that are not perfect are six and below. So so the perfect all the perfect Primus albums are Fizzle Fry, Brown Album, Sailing the Seas of Cheese, Pork Soda, and Antipop. They're all perfect albums, all of them, all five of those albums, perfect. That's just okay, three out of three. You've lost Perfect. like all credibility that you've even what little you had left is is completely gone. Also, who's Dude, your favorite? I've never had. Who's I've had your zero. favorite? Uh, is it who's your favorite bass player? Jeff Kresge? Is that is that what we're going with? Jeff here? Kresge, yeah, okay. yeah, Jeff Kresge, my favorite bass player. Like you, have, you would have, you would have two lists though. Who you think is the greatest of all time, and then who your favorite is? Oh yeah, yeah, my favorite is okay. Jeff Kresge. Kresge, gotcha. but I think the greatest of all time would be Les Claypool. Hundred percent. Yeah, less the, I mean, he's the dude's fucking unmatched in so many ways, and we've talked about it. But personal preference, Kresge is my my favorite. Gotcha. And then Claypool. Sip my drink. Yeah, gotta sip that that tasty beverage. All right, well that's it. Do do we have anything else to talk about with Primus or Pork Soda or anything like that? No, 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 we no, all good? no, no. I'm good. Yeah. What What are you saying over there? I'm no, I'm good. That's it. I got nothing. You're mumbling. I'm not mumbling anymore. I, I heard you mumbling. I'm not and I don't mumbling. like mumblers. Mumble but rap. I heard you mumble, and I don't like mumblers. <laughs> okay, so yeah, you know that's it. That's all for Asinine Radio. Thank you all for listening to the pod. Uh, this has been a long one, but thank you for sticking it out to everyone out there. Shout out to everyone who listens. It's awesome that you do keep listening rate review and subscribe to us on on uh, itunes follow us on social media at asinine radio <sighs> that's it man that, that's it we we this was our 199th episode meaning our next one is going to be our our big 200th episode we're gonna have a very special friend on the show to get into that it better be good or i'm gonna be mad <laughs> if it's not good it'll be good. so uh so yeah, no, I'm sure it'll be fun. So stay tuned for that, our 200th episode of Asinine Radio. But until then, that's it. That's all. Like this, I'm just more enlightened than you. you you're I'll you're be feeling all, you you're feeling off of all nostalgia right now. Oh, of course I can. I'm not going to, because I know I can, so I don't need to prove anything. <laughs> In German, <laughs> so stupid. It's called da da da. Ich liebe dich nicht. Du liebst mich nicht. Aha. <laughs> You probably have the same routine every day. Get home from work, wash hands, maybe shower, eat, 
listen to corn, watch Return of the Jedi, go to sleep. <laughs> like every fucking day. Like I get it, dude. I, I, that's probably fan. That's probably fine. That's probably fine <laughs> for a day or two. But you've been doing it for the past twenty five years. Well, first of all, I don't wash my hands, so you already got that wrong. Um, <laughs> Nine, eight, seven, number six, six for everybody. Yes. Um, fizzle fry. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you Kings Cup fans out there. <laughs> I feel like I am. No, I'm not. Are you tired? Like no, not at all. Because you've been running through my mind all day. Oh, dude, you're so stupid. Did it hurt? Well, when I fell from heaven? Yeah, when you fell from heaven. 